my name is Julie Turney, and this is the HR Sound Off Podcast Show, the show created for HR and business professionals to discuss pertinent topics and trends as it relates to our professions. We're going to have amazing conversations with HR professionals from all over the world, get to learn their origin stories. How did they get into this profession? What do they love about being here? And how they want to set the record straight on that one misconception that really drives them crazy about our profession. Are you ready? I'm ready. Then let's sound off. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the HR Sound Off Podcast Show. This is your host, Julie Turney. I am here today with Shannon Pritchett. Did I say that right? You did. Thank you. Awesome. I like to make sure that we get get names correct in HR. That's important, right? (laughs) Oh, yes. So how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Man, it's uh, I can't believe it's almost like the end of July, or it is towards the end of July. I think this like year has flown by. It really um, has. Yeah. So I mean, I just like wow, August is almost here. So I'm kind of in that crazy busy phase, as a lot of us are, which is um, always a good thing in our industry. Yes, busy is good. Busy is good. And even when we're not, we're still planning and underground for when we do get busy, right? Oh yes, you know, <laughs> but yeah. it's nice to take out time of my day and get to know you and have a good conversation. So I'm so glad we have this book. Awesome. Thank you so much. So let's get to it. Um, let's tell the audience who is Shannon? What is your origin story in recruiting? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, it's an interesting one. Um, you know, I, I went to school, um, actually in college and, um, you know, I, I finished with a journalism degree. And I graduated and I had no idea what I wanted to do. I had some offers to write for various newspapers like around the country, um, you know, but I, I kind of wanted to come back home and, you know, which is Nashville, Tennessee for me and college was University of Wisconsin and, you know, just be around friends and family because I hadn't been around in about five years. And um, I actually swam for the University of Wisconsin, which is part of the story. Um, and I continued my uh, training, um, you know, it's, I, I was out of the water for probably a year and a half and, okay. um, you know, I wanted to lose that freshman 15, um, you know, that grew. Oh, okay. Got <laughs> yeah. you. Got you. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. As you do in college. And, um, so I was working out with my old club team, um, doing some freelance writing for a local newspaper and I got approached um, by the then uh, vice chancellor um, at Vanderbilt University to come be a swim coach for Vanderbilt. And, wow. you know, I had no job. I was 22 uh, working part-time jobs. And I was like, wow, a college swim coach in the SEC division. I was like, absolutely sign me up. Um, and, and you know what? I, 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 I've always been a swim coach. I still coach today. I, I okay. like coaching little kids a lot better than older kids. Some yeah. of the girls on the team were actually older than me. Uh-huh. Um, all were smarter than me at Vanderbilt. Mm. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I fell in love with the recruiting side of the job, not so much the job itself. And by the way, it, it paid $5,000 for the whole entire year. And it was a full-time job, travel, what? you name it. And it paid $5,000. Yeah. So I had a hustle on the side. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I stopped writing because it was a conflict of interest because I was a sports writer. Okay. Um, but uh, I kept with coaching and I had a restaurant job and, you know, any, uh, some swimming publications, you know, anywhere I can find you know, 50 cents, I I would volunteer my time and just, you know, make sure I was, you know, getting paid. 
as you do. Um, and so at the end of it, I was like, you know, I don't want to come back and be a coach and work 45 jobs at once. I'd rather just be, um, you know, a recruiter or, or some kind of uh, yeah. you know professional. So I put my resume out somewhere and I got a call from a recruiting agency that was calling me on behalf of another recruiting agency that recruits for uh, different companies. And I was so confused. I was like, so you guys are recruiters for a recruiting company that recruits for other people. And they're like, yeah, basically <laughs> I was like, I'm going on this interview just to see, like, just to connect what the dots. About. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was a third party search firm. And, um, I, I met my, uh, to this day, still good friend, Caroline Parker. We're both still in the industry. Wow. Um, she's fabulous. And, uh, she interviewed me and I was like, okay, sign me up. This is great. Um, got into the uh, third party contingent world and then Mm -hmm. just kind of slowly worked my way up over the last like 15, 16 years. But, you know, it's it's funny because everyone falls into recruitment. Um, I'd actually like to change that, you know, let more people know we have a job, right? Stigma. Absolutely. In college, because everyone knows of HR, but not many people know about this side, um, you know, at that young of an age. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of how I, I got involved uh, in recruiting. And mm-hmm. once I had my first position, I, I was hooked. I was like, oh, this is where this is where I need to be. be. Yeah. It's kind of funny, like um, I shouldn't say funny, but serendipitous, right? That you ended yeah. up there considering like where you started and stuff. What oh, was yeah. it that drew you at that time, like in college to the recruiting side of, of, of it all? To be honest, it was, um, you know, I was very lucky and fortunate that I was a pretty talented swimmer in high Mm -hmm. school, which meant I had a lot of colleges recruit me to come be on their swim team. And I really liked the way that process was handled. Mm -hmm. Obviously, this is a different type of recruiting, right? You're recruiting high school athletes. And so candidate experience is like the ultimate supreme thing. Mm -hmm. You know, this was um, I graduated uh, high school, you know, 2001. So, yeah. I mean, the recruiting process started in like 1999. So, mm-hmm. you know, this was before we probably were looking at canned experience the way we look at it now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, for me, it was just like, I wanted, I had such a good experience and I had so much fun with it all that yeah. I really wanted to give that experience back to the high school athletes that uh, we were recruiting at Vanderbilt. And so, um, I mean, so that just goes to show you um, how far good candidate experience goes. And it's, you know, it's, 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 it's funny. It's it's very similar if you break it down and look at it. Right. Because, you know, although I don't have a job for you, um, you train 40 to 80 hours a week when you're at, uh, you know, for your given sport in college. it is a job. Yes. You do get a lot of, uh, you know, benefits such as tuition reimbursement and all that other kind of stuff too. So to me, I actually look at it as this is a full-time job that you're committed to and you get paid in tuition amongst other goodies that the university provides you. Um, I think, you know, they can finally start collecting money, which is amazing, but um, you know, so in respect, it's, that was my first real high paying job. Was going to be a college athlete. And here, and here you are today. So tell us what is your current role uh, and what does your organization do? Yeah. So I am the head of community for um, everyone. Um, everyone is owned by Hiretool. 
right. um, Hire Troll, uh, for those who don't know it, is a uh, recruiting uh, software company. Um, what we do is we help you find just about any candidate all over the web. And there's so much more to our um, you know, global TA platform that we have from um, analytics and insights yeah. to candidate engagement and diversity and DE&I help and assistance. Um, it's just a wonderful tool. And it really is. I yes, I'm glad you like it. And so yeah. they wanted to start their own community. And um, I was like, no, this will only be successful if it's not a vendor based community. Yeah. You know, we need something separate that, you know, for example, um, every community in this industry has some kind of a catch. What I mean by catch is communities are very expensive to run mm-hmm. and they don't necessarily contribute back to an ROI like people think they do. Right. Um, when I led SourceCon, for example, that community, we, um, you know, uh, we all ha- kept our lights on by people purchasing conference tickets and for right. companies like Hire Tool sponsoring our conference. Right. And so, um, you know, we had to sell back to the community. Um, you know, it was, it was what we did. It wasn't mm-hmm. our main priority, but it's how we, we ate. Right. Um, and so, and then when I was at Career Crossroads, that was a paid for community. You had to pay before you can even preview the community. Right. And so, um, you know, here we're, we're going to be in that as vendor funded, we're keeping our database completely separate. Um, you know, we're keeping everything within, actually we have two completely different products uh, that right. manages both sides of the house. Okay. Um, so it's not like we're going to be trying to sell everyone higher to licenses or anything like that. Um, and also, um, we really want to encourage other communities, other software companies, um, you know, our competition, everyone just to join. That's why we have the name everyone. Right. And we wanted to expand it to just about anyone in uh, talent acquisition who might need assistance. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's a u- unique community where we want people to focus on themselves, mm-hmm. um, you know, make sure they have solid physical, mental health. And, um, you know, and of course, there, you know, get the knowledge checks that you need to do your job well. So I want to help remove barriers that people might come across with throughout their day. Um, mm-hmm. If anyone needs assistance, we want to make sure we provide the tools and resources for yeah. you to do so. Awesome. Awesome. Sounds really great. I mean, I know one of the things that I've always been taught is that you see a need, you fill a need, right? Exactly. Um, What makes everyone different from if I decided to build a community on Facebook or build a community on LinkedIn? Because, you know, the communities are everywhere. What what am I going to get out of everyone as a recruiter that I wouldn't get from my Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn community? That's really good. I'm glad you asked because there are so many great communities out there. Um, First and foremost, we don't want to be a competition to any other community out there. We kind of want to be like a base camp for all the communities uh, to come together. And we want to help actually other communities grow themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, That's one of our main initiatives. But why we get involved in everyone is we actually want to give you back the resources that necessarily your company won't pay for itself. Um, Whether that be a meditation class or a yoga class, you know, something that maybe focuses a little bit more on your personal side rather than the professional side. But on the professional side, we also, you know, if you need training, come to us, we'll help arrange that for you. Um, You know, if you need any kind of product that's going to help you um, do your job better, then make sure you come to us um, and we'll provide that for you. So we're going to start really ramping up our events and um, start offering more and more to the community. Um, But my thing is we really want people to focus on themselves first. And once you're a better version of yourself, then you will grow 
further professionally. And so um, our focus will be the individual first, as Mm -hmm. opposed to the knowledge or networking or anything else that goes into any other community. Um, So that's kind of what we're leading with um, just to differentiate ourselves. Yeah. So it sounds like you're working from the inside out in the individual, which is really important. That's like, that's like what I do as a coach, right? Um, Yeah help people from the inside out. So you focus on their well-being first to help them be a better professional. Then you develop that professional muscle. um, Mm -hmm. It's so important, you know, coming off of the pandemic, you know, I I think, I mean, I, I became a new mom during the pandemic. I I struggled. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, I I struggled a lot, um, you know, from work-life balance to, you know, the pandemic didn't make anything easier. I was someone who was prior to the pandemic, um, constantly traveling, um, surrounding myself with other people. Um, you know, I'm very social by nature. So, you know, when that all got shut down, um, you know, work became, you know, a huge challenge for me. Um, and and I never really mentally recovered, uh, from that. Mm -hmm. Um, and and so to me, it was like, I'm, I'm a prime example of, I did need those tools and resources to better Mm -hmm. balance my life. And, you know, cause I remember talking to uh, Chris Hoyt about this, who was, um, you know, who leads her crossroads. And he was like, you know, you haven't changed. He's like, this is just a new version of yourself and, you know, that new person I was becoming, you know, battled the old person a lot. And so, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I, and I wasn't the only one that struggled. I mean, not at all. I think in women, especially professional women got hit so hard. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I would, I would talk to the TA leaders often and I would, you know, ask them, you know, what are you guys doing? You know, who's doing something, you know, well, and no one you know, it wasn't because no one was doing anything. No one's taking the initiative is yeah. no one knew how, you know, yeah. to help. And, you know, I'd get people that say, Oh, I'd always ask my team how they were doing, you know, and, and that's a very easy question to do. You know, how are you doing today? Um, but that doesn't fix any problems no. and stuff. And so, um, it, time off really didn't fix any problems either. Mm-hmm. And so there was a lot more, I think that we, need to explore. And so, um, that's mm-hmm. why this is so important to me that, you know, people become better versions of themselves. Um, cause we all, we all go through ch- change and stress and anxiety and pressure, um, and depression. And just to be able to, you know, again, make yourself whole, um, just makes every aspect in your life kind of fall into place the way it should be. Absolutely. I could not agree with you more. I think one of the things that really stuck out for me, um, during COVID is, you know, that while everyone was struggling, being in HR, it was even harder um, oh, because yeah. you were engaging people and you were also hearing from people about the struggles that they were having and you were providing help for them. And we have been going like at 90 miles an hour. And if you were in the recruiting space, you had to pivot because you were no longer being able to, you know, walk candidates through the process face-to-face. You were no longer able to interview face-to-face. Um, everything became digital. If you were not, like for us in the Caribbean, I think for a lot of people in the Caribbean, the first time they heard of Zoom was in COVID. Yeah. Um, and so there was a lot of struggles that were happening. And I think two things that really stood out for me during COVID was, I don't know if you know Kirst Bana. 
She's I don't. A recruiter from the UK, and she actually committed suicide during COVID. Yeah. Um, so you just really saw that people were really not handling this very well. And recruiters, um, especially, I know several recruiters that took their lives during COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, from different parts of the world, it really has been a struggle. What do you think, and I know this kind of leading into the Hire Tool 2021 20, um, report that you guys just released, uh, what do you see as one of the things that as recruiters, you're going to have to really focus on to, to get better um, and to prepare yourselves for not just the great resignation, but just how you deal with the candidate experience going forward. Yeah, I think this is is now the, the pivotal moment where that's going to be more important than anything that they can do. You know, being a recruiter is a very unfair profession, um, you know, because recruiters don't make hire hiring decisions. They don't manage people. They have no control over who leaves and they really have no control over who joins an organization. If you look at who makes the decisions on yeah. hiring first firing. And so, you know, that was something that I always struggled with as a recruiter was like, oh my gosh, I'm being measured on retention and accepted, you know, I was measured on all those things I had no control over. Yeah. Um, And so that makes a difference. But, but the one thing recruiters should focus on is in two, two uh, things in my mind, one can experience and two engagement. Um, Sourcing is so much easy um, or easier today than it's ever been. I mean, yeah. there's tools like Hire Tool, and we have, of course, a lot of other um, competitors that that can help you find candidates at ease. You know, the click of a button, yeah. literally. Um, you know, but there's not one tool that's going to help you better engage uh, a candidate. And I, I think that's really going to separate like the good companies from the bad companies. Um, before I joined Hire Troll, I was, I was a candidate for the first time in a long time. Yeah. Um, you know, where I was starting to blindly apply for jobs um, just because I, I didn't know, I, I knew I, I needed to change. I just didn't know where I needed to go. Um, and so I, I got, I got an opportunity to really see what it was like to be a candidate all over again, which I highly recommend every recruiter goes through. Yeah. Um, and it was, yeah, it was a lot of, uh, silence (laughs) and, you know, these were VP of recruiting positions that I was applying into for large brands. Um, it's funny. I have my TV uh, in the background of one of the brands that was just actually, it was had commercial, but nonetheless, um, I was blown away by how often, um, you know, you get into like the interview. First off, you wouldn't hear anything for, for weeks, months. Um, you get into the interview phase and it's you, the person you're interviewing with, you know, knows nothing about you, nothing about the position, you know, yeah. they're just going through their checklist. I thought that was so interesting for an executive interview. Yeah. Um, and, and then you would hear again, you go weeks to months about hearing nothing. nothing. And I'm like, wow, I am good friends with all the heads of TA of these positions I applied for. And I was like, I wonder what if they know that this is going on. And it's uh-huh. like, you know, you're in a, I was in a weird position. It's like, do I throw the process and these recruiters under the bus as I'm trying to get a job, you know, do I blast them on social media? Never my style. Um, you know, but it's like, you know, how do you, you fix all these problems? I remember one, uh, one company in particular, um, I applied for, and it was, a uh, like a senior director of TA, the concentration and sourcing or something like that. And, um, the head of TA had encouraged me to apply. And the first interview I got was uh, not really an interview. It's more like a 
We're going to tell you all about this organization. And at the end of it, the girl goes, I think you'd be a wonderful practitioner. We have a recruit, I have a recruiter opening on my team. Would you, uh, would you want to be, would you be interested? I was like, I'm actually interviewing for your boss's boss's job, <laughs> you know? And, it's, it's, and I was just like, oh my gosh, you know, wow. like, like, and, and that was just so unique. And I thought that was so funny. And then, um, and then the rejection email <laughs> eventually <laughs> followed, but, but I was kind of like, you know, it's funny because when the head of TA tells you to apply for certain roles, and I did receive some offers, yeah. um, you know, you, I, you're obviously qualified and the offers I got showed I was qualified, but I was right. blown away. There wasn't one company, um, you know, hire tool was different. They, they, uh, Steven, the CEO called me up and he has, he said, Hey, this is what I want to do. And then the offer came at the end of the call. So they, that, that was different. And not right. every company functions like that, but no. you know, with 200 people, we can do get away with stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and I've known him for like six years. Um, but, but with all the other things, I was just amazed the level of bureaucracy and the level of, um, lack of creativity, the lack of lack of personalization, um, the lack of knowledge, you know, when people who were researching, like no one knew anything about me, no one knew anything like, like, you know, you could have looked at my LinkedIn profile for five seconds before the call to get to know a little bit about me. No one knew anything about the position they were recruiting for. And it was, I was like, oh my gosh the water hose is about to turn on. You uh-huh. can tell it is because the recruiter jobs open first, then the yeah. candidate jobs. Right. And I was like, and God, I was like, God, no one is putting their foot forward with this or putting any thought into this whatsoever. And it was yeah. a scary time. It always is a scary time when you're trying to switch jobs. And so yeah. I know we talk about it a lot, but I think candidate experience and engagement is going to be what's going to differentiate yourself and really make you shine. You know, yeah. you want a recruiter can still be a champion, um, just like HR, like wants to be a champion for the employees. Recruiters need to be a champion. They need to be a coach for the people that they're dealing with. And it's okay to have these brutal, honest, legally acceptable conversations with individuals to make sure that you are guiding them around like the correct path. Um, I remember the last company where I served as a recruiter, um, the biggest disappointment, first off, the positions I was recruiting for, nobody applied for because no one, no one existed, right? These were all yeah. unicorns. Yeah. Yeah. And, and fine. There wasn't, there, there was no other job that was comparable. So when I get in look at my ATS and they'd be all lit up, like every position would be applied overnight. And I'm like, what this did it actually, the, <laughs> God, you answered my prayers. And then it was the same person that applied for every single job. And wow. so, you know, and I always took the time to call that person. Been like, Hey man, listen, you're clearly not a fit. You're not even in it. I'm recruiting it here. Um, I was like, you know, let's, let me tell you why you, you shouldn't apply for every position because most recruiters are automatically just going to reject you. And they're like, Oh, I had no idea. They're like, you know, I just want to work for your company. And it's like, that's a candidate you actually want to work with. Right. Yes. Yeah. You know, like, like yeah, he, he had no idea he wasn't supposed to apply to a position. He just really wants to get in with your company. So he applied for every position thinking uh-huh. one would stick, uh-huh. you know, no one's told him, you know, this is not what, you know, you're not supposed to you do. Somebody. Right. And you know, and this would happen, I would say probably once a quarter and eventually you find somewhere where this can is going to be a position, but I always wondered is how many people actually take the time to sit and have that conversation with these candidates that are going to be exceptional fits for your organization might be a little extra time in your day, but at the end of the day, you are going to, you know, fill someone, you're going to make someone happy. You're going to educate someone. You're going to do the job that we all got into this industry. Yeah. Yeah. 
I couldn't agree with you more, Shannon. You are definitely speaking my language. That's why I say, um, go back to your point about, you know, when you recruit um, athletes, you, you know, you put a little more, there's a little more effort that goes into that. But I think there's a lot you can learn from a talent scout mm-hmm. um, and apply to recruiting. And I think like recruiting like a talent scout is really important. Um, it means less clients, yes but it means that you're going to always have repeat or referrals because those clients believe that you make the effort to get to know them, understand the companies they want to work with. You know the, pe- the companies they want to work with and you match the two together with giving the necessary knowledge and experience across candidate and company to, to make for a happy marriage. And I think a lot exactly. of times, one of the things that we get faulted for in recruiting is that you, it's like a numbers game. You're just trying to put people in so you could get your money. Um, and it doesn't look like you care about people, but nothing could be further from the truth. Um, but it's just that there's so much going on. I think if we had a company that thought like that, worked like that, and I'm sure that there are some out there, but I don't know who they are. Right, right. That's what, that's what candidates need going beyond 2021 right absolutely right I remember my I remember my recruiting process with Purdue University and now I didn't end up going there because they screwed up on the uh the 99 yard line or the one yard line wherever you want to look at it um but uh I had a series of conversations with them on the phone and we talked to the coaches and it's it's just, it's again the same process, right? You're you're trying to sell yourself to get the most money possible from them, most scholarship offers, and then also they're trying to get you to come there as well. So I had the best conversations with the coaches. Every time we call, it was like these coaches were my best friends, and they they were you know super excited and stuff like that. And I was yeah. a little at the time, um, I guess you can say I, I would have been very a good pickup for them, right? Yeah a good addition to based on my times and their team's times. Right. And so I remember going on my recruiting trip. I think it was my first one and it was, everything was personal, right? Everywhere I went, um, you know, they had a decorated sign. I, I remember I went and sat through a class. They had the desk decorated and my favorite candy out. And my name was yeah. down the halls, you know, welcome Shannon and stuff like that. And you know, you can tell they really put time in to make it, um, you know, a good visit. And I remember yeah. I had said, okay, so this is like 2000. Um, they had a quarterback named Drew Brees, uh, who was on their football team. And I had made some comment like, uh, like, like, wow, Drew Brees, I, you know, I would love to watch him play football. Cause when yes, we do on our Korean trips, you go to a football game or some sporting event. I was like, you know, he's just so great. And so what a cool athlete. And, you know, I really hope he wins a Heisman award. And, you know, I think he just retired from the NFL. Wow. Um, and so uh, there was this, they give you your itinerary, right. Of, of who you're going to be meeting with, what you're going to be doing. And there was like this, this blank item and just a tour. And so after, you know, the classrooms and all this stuff next, um, I walked down to the athletic facility and there's Drew Brees standing there by himself, ready to give me a tour of the oh. athletic facility, just me and him. Uh-huh. And I, I totally, oh my gosh, I acted like I was such an idiot. I asked him the dumbest questions. I was like, I was like, where are you going to go play, play professional football? I was like, well, what team do you want? You know? And I was just, I just, I didn't know. I wasn't expecting it. I, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know yeah. what to do. He was so nice. Cool as can be just, you know, you can tell he was just like, Hey, I'm just, you know, 
just a student. They probably told him I was a psycho fan and, and he, he was, you know, being uh, a little empathetic towards me, but, uh-huh. but to this day, you know, what is this? Um, like 21 years later, I'm still bragging about that recruiting trip that Drew Brees <laughs> took yeah. me on. Um, you know, memorable, memorable. School. It was so me- memorable. And, uh, you know, it's so funny. I've always like wanted to run into him stream like, Hey, do you remember me? <laughs> we took me a tour of Purdue university. I never, you know, going there, but you know, and at the end, you know, they just went out of the way to make sure and every school did stuff like that. Yeah. But that was by far like the best experience, right. you know, sure that there was an alignment um you know with that and, and it you know it just shows you like corporations can do something similar as well now, you don't need Absolutely. to fly in true breeze right yeah but you get to know a candidate enough where they're going to tell you bits and pieces about their personality for you Correct. to cater that interview better towards them Correct. um I've also told the story many times before there was a particular aviation company I was interviewing for and the person knew I liked a certain uh, taste in music. And uh, two things happened during the interview. One, when I called, I could hear my favorite band in the background. Turns mm-hmm. out it was the interview's favorite band as well, which is why wow. he was doing this. And the whole time, all we did was talk about our favorite band. And, wow. you know, I, and, you know, that was such a good experience. I was like, you know, that is so cool to yeah. like call somebody and, you know, be like, oh my God, you know, you like my favorite music or uh-huh. you're listening to my favorite music and just, you know, automatically puts you at ease, ease and relaxes you, but any kind of level of, you know, personality and personal, you know, personalization you can bring into the interview process, I, I think is, is really going to win you that yes. individual or, it makes for a good story <laughs> later down the road if you could match the salary they wanted. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think those are great stories. And that's what makes um, a great recruiter when you're able to share those stories with candidates and kind of ease them. But then it's also good for future recruiters to understand, like, this is what we're expecting. This is the experiences that we're expecting to have like across the board in a corporate sense, yes. um, in a corporate setting. And I think that that makes... Um, for great um, learning, a great teachable moment. So thank you so much for sharing that, Shannon. And I wish everyone all the best. I am looking forward to engaging with the community and learning more. I'm really enjoying the interactions that we're having. And, you know, I'm a huge fan of Hire Tools. So I'm always talking about Hire Tool and- um, We're a big fan of you, Julie. (laughs) Thank you so much. Yeah, it's really awesome to be a part of, 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 a movement that is by recruiters for recruiters. So, you know, you understand at every level what our pains are and you're always trying to make it better. And that's what I love about Hire Tool and, and what I love about, you know, being a part of everyone. You really do feel like you're a part of it. So let me ask you this. What are you reading, watching, listening to right now that you think our professionals listening to this podcast would enjoy? Oh yeah. Great question. I need to up my reading game, uh, because I have taken a break, um, since, uh, since, you know, probably for the past year from reading a book. Last one I read actually was amazing. Um, it was, I forgot the name of it, but it was Melinda Gates's book. Um, and, and I recommend everyone read it. It's a two day read. Um, and it really opened my eyes to, um, a lot that goes on, uh, overseas, um, especially in terms of, 
Uh, well, the two things. One, she talks a lot about, um, you know, women's right to choose their own fertility mm. path. Mm-hmm. And as a new mom, that was really interesting. And in all the work the Gates Foundation does in Africa um, to help the women um, basically do family planning, yeah. um, which was really eye-opening. And, and then second, she talked about the uh, role of making sure you have a 50 50 um, partnership in your marriage, right? Um, which as a new mom, again, was really helpful. And one of the things she said, she said in her book that was super interesting was she talks about like motherhood and how um, it's the only job that doesn't get counted towards uh, actual labor it's in the true. world, you know? But yeah. It's, like it's raising a very kids. labor intensive job. Well, cleaning, cooking, um, you know, raising kids, you know, yeah. we, you can hire a chef, right? <laughs> That'd be nice. Um, you know, big chefs get paid. Uh, you can hire people to clean your house, right? Again, must be nice. Um, you know, and there's babysitters, there's nannies, there's childcare professionals, right? Yeah. You know, but when you do it for free, it doesn't get counted. And how that, you know, if we started doing stuff like that, yeah. that we'd have a better holistic understanding of the work that a lot of women and some men do to, mm-hmm. um, you know, contribute back in society. Yeah. Um, and she's brought up a lot of good points. That was the last thing I read uh-huh. uh, that was amazing. Um, <laughs> watching on TV. Um, oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm in this, uh, like want to go on a vacation mode. So I've been watching okay. a lot of blow deck on Bravo, uh, which uh-huh. is where it's a reality show where, um, they film like people who rent out these super mega yachts oh. and they film, they film the crew of them and, and their behavior. And I just find it, uh, that world fascinating. And so that's the last thing I watched on TV. And what I'm listening to is I'm actually getting, um, more into marketing, uh, podcast. Um, okay. and so, um, yeah, I've been trying to listen to some of those, um, that are out there still trying to find one that I like the best, but I'm okay. really trying to learn more about marketing as I grow professionally. And so, um, you know, podcasts are something that, uh, has always helped me because you can just put it on and go about your day. Exactly. Um, and so yeah. none I can recommend just yet, but, um, if anyone has any marketing related podcasts that wants to share with me, I'm, I'm, I'm a sponge at this time. (laughs) Awesome. I think, you know, a really great place um, for like marketing right now is Clubhouse. Yes. Okay. Learning a lot on Clubhouse when it comes to marketing and like, whether it's marketing your business, you know, your strategy. Yeah. I didn't even Um, think Clubhouse would be a good spot for it, but it makes complete sense. Clubhouse is a great spot for that. And um, for listening. I need to get my profile back up there, I guess you could say. (laughs) (laughs) You know, funny enough, when Clubhouse first came out, like I was just on it. Um, Now I'm just slow, like over time realizing it's not the place for me. Other than like, if I get invited as a guest, I'll go listen, but um, sure. I'll be a part of it. But outside of that, like I've kind of stepped back from Clubhouse a bit because it's just, it's not for me. Like I already have a podcast. Right. I need <laughs> another podcast, another place to have conversations about HR. Um, I think HR Sound Off does its job. And then yeah. I can find HR Voices does its job on LinkedIn. So for me, I've kind of stepped back from that because I'm already a podcaster. But I do like to listen to the, the clubhouse um, rooms that are on podcasting and how yes. you can improve your podcast. And that's why I listen to marketing um, clubhouse rooms because I'm learning now more about how I can market my podcast. So yeah, go check out Clubhouse for sure, Shannon. 
Oh, thanks for that advice, Julia. I so appreciate that. No worries. So tell me, what is the one misconception about recruiting that really bothers you? Um, that you think people have it all wrong. You want to set the record straight right here, right now. What would it be? I think okay, yeah. Well, one misconception about recruiting is is I think the general public still doesn't understand that. You know, I'm sure people have told us before, but but you know, recruiters don't work to find jobs for you, right? They find people for jobs. And so, you know, and that, that, you know, cause I still, when I see, especially during the pandemic, I had so many people reach out to me that, that needed help. And, you know, my time was limited being a new mom, but, you know, I was still, you know, like, oh, should I work with a recruiter? And I'm like, no, no, that's not, that's not how, how we do it. You know, a recruiter finds people for a job. So you got to be found. And so I wish there were more companies out there and more services. Um, I, I think LinkedIn is a great start. But that that really educated, um, you know, candidates on, you know, how to make yourself as a candidate more marketable so that recruiters are more likely to work with you. Because at the end of the day, you know, recruiters are busy. You do have to make it easy for them. Um, and, you know, not every recruiter is going to be that super recruiter that's going to roll up the red carpet. So, um, you know, I, I wish there were more platforms and in, in uh, opportunities for candidates to learn how yeah. to be more marketable and that's a win-win for, for both sides. Yeah. Um, instead of, you know, recruiters or candidates coming to recruiters being like, can you help me find a job? Yeah. Um, so that is something that I wish, uh, people had, um, you know, better, um, you know, kind of notion, um, and conception about what we actually do. Um, because I think yeah. that would benefit their search so much. Yeah, definitely. That's a good education. I've actually never had that one before. So I'm oh, sure, good. I'm sure that people will appreciate it. So that's great. Thank you. Yeah. So tell us what's next for Shannon Pritchett. Oh, wow. It's next. That is a good question. Um, yeah. Right now, what's next for me that I'm really working on is um, family work-life balance. <laughs> that, that does not exist. No, no. Speaking as a mother of three, I'm telling you, it doesn't oh, exist. All you three. have to, yeah, that's. <sighs> As long as you have children, they consume your life. You, you become mama bear. Yes. And your life is revolved around them. They are the center of your universe. And you, you, you don't want it any other way, right? But I um, wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, my, you're, you're now starting your family. My children are, are mature. Like my oldest <laughs> is 23. My youngest is 16. So like I've got one out the door and two more falling <laughs> down. Like... <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No. Yeah. For me, it's, it's just, I want, I've always been somebody who, um, works late in the evenings and, um, I, next year, one of the things I really want is I told my husband this yesterday, I was like, my, my goal starting in August is, um, we're going to have dinner as a family and we're going to go on a walk after dinner if it's okay. not weather permitted. It's so, so to me, that is just me taking those two to three hours, you know, just to focus on my family as opposed to workouts, work, anything else, um, yeah, yeah. is my goal for, for next year. So it's a big step for me. Um, cause I'm, I'm constantly on the go, but, yeah. uh, I, I'm looking forward to, um, you know, trying to see how well I, I do at that. So fine. Um, as long as you're consistent, you'll be fine. Consistency is key in anything, right? Wonderful advice. It came to form habits. So consistency is key. I'm sure you'll be great. And I'm sure it'll work. Well, thank you. I will definitely check back with you to 
I hope you do. Definitely (laughs) accountable, Julie. (laughs) I will do that. I will do that. With that being said, Shannon, you have survived your time in the sound booth today. And I want to thank you so much for being here. I am so looking forward to sharing this episode. And I know that the audience are going to be looking out for everyone. Um, I'm going to make sure to include the links in the comments because it's not spelt the same way as everyone. Um, So I want people to know that, but look out for it, guys. It is coming. And if you're not on Hire Tool, why are you not using Hire Tool? They have a free Chrome extension. It's absolutely fantastic. Changed my life completely. Um, And I highly recommend it. So Shannon, I wish you all the best. I wish you and the everyone team all the best and all the best for Hire Tool as always. Thank you, Julie. Pleasure was all mine. I had a blast. I can't wait to listen to this. You're welcome. Thank you for joining us in the sound booth today. I hope that you found this information from this episode useful. You can find me on all social media platforms at I am Julie Turney. That's I am Julie Turney. And you can find this episode or this show on most digital platforms, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, you name it, we're there. Thanks to Anchor FM and Rock Solid Entertainment for helping me to put this content together for you. And I will see you again in the next sound off.